Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Bonus episode, Creation. Hello, hello, it's bonus episode time. I've decided I'm going to continue periodically putting these out there to continue to connect gospel principles to our everyday lives, giving you helpful and easily applied strategies on how to be able to move forward with God in confidence during these days or any other times to come. That is what I love about spiritual life coaching. It's acknowledging that there is a partnership with God. And it's just learning how to be able to take his gospel and be able to make it work in our lives so that we can feel the blessings that he desires us to feel so that we can go out and create with confidence. And my expectation is that by the end of this episode, that you're going to feel hopeful, that you're going to feel a little more confident, and you're going to just realize the power that you have. And where we're going to start is with creation. How did God go about creating? What is my role in creating and how can I partner with him, right? I think that's the smart way to go. So drawing on the accounts that we find about the creation in Genesis and Moses and Abraham, let's learn what we can. Let's apply and liken it to our lives. And then the expectation at the end is that you will feel a lift. So first, God is the supreme creator and the upholder of all things. Remember that the purpose of his creation was what? To bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. That's for you and that's for me. By Jesus Christ, all things in heaven and earth were created. And so exact is the obedience of Jesus Christ that his work And his words, they are the perfect embodiment or the representation of God the Father. That's why we can say they are one. They are two separate, but they are one. They are in complete unison of thought, feeling, and action. Initially, the earth was without form. And when Jesus Christ went to organize the matter that existed, how did he do that? He spoke. He spoke, let there be light, and it happened. Divided by the word of his power, it was done as he spoke it. So whether he was speaking, ordering, or commanding, his power to create was in his words, and then he watched until the elements obeyed him. And I like that little added tidbit that I think I've often overlooked. He watched his creations until they obeyed him, meaning he stayed with it. He didn't rush on. He didn't slap it together and throw his creation against a wall to see if it stuck. But he stayed with it until it was completed, until it obeyed him. Now, we worship an intentional God. You can see this in his creations and in the workings of all the complex and the endless systems that are working and functioning independently dependent upon one another. 
And the question that would come to my mind as a child, and I love it when my children ask me as they're wondering and being curious about the world they're in, is how did he know what to create? Before he ever created anything in its physical form, he created all of it spiritually. I wish we had more scripture about this process and what it entailed, but it is enough to know that none of it, none of his creations were created just by chance. Everything was created spiritually and then it was created physically with his breath of life energizing those creations. He is the upholder of all things. And I love how after he creates, he then looks back and first watches to make sure he is obeyed. And then he observes that it was good. So he had a plan. He executes the plan. He then watches and cares over the plan. And then he determines it is good. And the word good can be a judgment, can't it? Good, bad, acceptable, unacceptable, complete, incomplete. But the word good can also be a feeling. I feel good. I am pleased. I am satisfied. In whichever meaning this word good in the scriptures means, both can be applied here. God observed that his creations were good, and he did this at each and every step of the process. And that's another point, that God is purposeful, and he is patient, he's measured and deliberate. He didn't work in chaos, but he worked in phases or in days. He worked line upon line and precept upon precept. He didn't dabble over here with light and then get distracted and then go and create some fish. But he created light, dividing it from the darkness and calling it day and night. He then divided the waters, causing a firmament, calling it heaven. And then under the firmament, he gathered the waters, creating seas and then producing land. And then there upon the land, he brought forth grass and herbs and fruit trees. He brought about that vegetation that we enjoy so much. And then the fourth day, he puts light in the sky to divide the day from the night, giving us time. Being able to now be separated into seasons, days, and years. Isn't that amazing? We already had light separated from dark, but now we have sun, moon, and stars that are benefiting us. And then in two separate days, he created the creatures of the earth. First, the creatures that live in the water and the fowl that fly in the air. And then on the last day, the living creatures that roam or creep upon the land. And he deemed all of it good. And he commanded all of them to be fruitful and to multiply. The earth was now ready for man. And God created man in his own image and in the image of his only begotten. And man was placed in the garden to dress it and to keep it and to choose. And though man had been commanded, like the animals, to be fruitful and to multiply, man was also commanded to replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That's all pretty straightforward, right? That's what you remember being taught in primary, at church, in your scripture reading. 
You've heard it repeated several times before, but have you ever looked at it that it is the pattern that we have been given on how we go forth and create? So what is our role in the creative process? Well, let's look at what we were commanded to do. We were commanded to be fruitful. To be fruitful is to produce good or productive results. And then we were commanded to multiply. We're always looking at this as populating, having children, growing families. And yes, that's all true. (laughs) But what about those who physically can't? Are they exempt from these very first fundamental commandments? If we strictly look at it as populating, yes. And some of us might be done. (laughs) But if we expand our view to include our purpose here on earth, that it is our purpose to produce good and productive results with our lives. So that can be with our actions, with our influence, with our service, with our love. We can take this command and see, oh, this is our work to do. And when we look at it this way, then all of us can be not only in alignment with God's command, but all of us are not released from that commandment. This is, this is our life's work. It isn't coincidence that when you talk to someone that in their heart of hearts, they just want to do good in the world. They just want to make a difference. They want to leave the world a better place, having been in it. That's the divinity in us talking. That's our soul knowing what the creator commanded our souls to do in the first place. It's the entire purpose of our being. And then we were commanded to replenish, to subdue and have dominion over the earth. Or in other words, we are commanded to restore, to overcome or bring into control and then govern the earth. But I think even this has a spiritual principle because how can any of us govern and subdue and replenish the earth if we don't first start here in our hearts? We're intended to use our creative powers to restore or go through the process of being restored. We are to overcome or bring into control the carnal state that we're in. Isn't that the atonement? And we're to govern and we're to learn how to choose. That is our role. That is our purpose and it is found in each one of us who haven't allowed darkness to corrupt us. It's found in God's children who stay in the light that he separated from the dark. And if we accept the truth that God created us in his own image or in the image of his only begotten, then we also must accept the truth that in us, He has given us the power to create like him. I like to think of it that we're all his apprentices learning from the master on how to do our important work, how to create. His ways are perfect. And we're learning how to imitate or emulate, depending how far along the road we are. Some of us just need to imitate. (laughs) That's me. But if our master created through the power of his word. If he spoke and it was, then we also need to accept that we too create with our word. 
And if all things were created spiritually before they were spoken into being, then we must also accept that our thoughts are the spiritual creations of our words and that our results are because of those thoughts and those words and the actions that those thoughts and words are putting energy behind. How many of us are creating a whole bunch of stuff that we just really don't want to keep? We don't really like that we're not looking at and thinking is good. We're not seeing it benefit us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. It's not emulating what we desire. Now the remarkable thing is the trust that God placed in us is that we can choose not to partner with him. We can just go and create on our own. It's like he's given us the keys to the car and the car has a full tank of gas. We have all the tools we need to create something. But for daughters of God who've made covenants, creating just something, that's not good enough for us. We desire to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion righteously. So that leads us to our last question, how can we partner with God? Let's look at God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and all of this perfect earth, the perfect plan, and the perfect souls of God's children that came because of their perfect union. Through Jesus Christ, God created. Now, why should you and I think we have to do it on our own? If the two most marvelous beings created all of this working together, shouldn't we partner with him? Shouldn't we at the very least partner with the master to check in with him through prayer in the morning? To begin our creative work, asking him to help us and to guide us and to strengthen us, to prepare us, to lead us. And then at the end, to review the progress and to right our wrongs and erase those mistakes. All the while, strengthening our unity with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. It reminds me of Sister Eubanks' talk. By union of feeling, we obtain power with God. Unify yourself in prayer with the Supreme Creator. Next, as we go about our day, with the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying it, we need to be able to be aware that everything that God created in physical form was spiritually created first. Before he could speak it, he had to think it. Notice that God, with great intention and deliberateness, went forth with his work. And we'll speak more in depth next time about our thoughts. But for today, I just ask, what are you thinking? Seriously, what are you thinking? (laughs) Because the creative power that you have within you, that thinking power, that's where your creative process begins. Thinking is not a passive pastime. It is creating. You're creating neural pathways, by creating perspectives and habits and even default behaviors. It's also creating chemical reactions in your body, feelings of happiness, resolve, joy, but also anger, sadness. Your thoughts are busy creating. These thoughts are the beginning of your agency at work. And you can either be deliberate, like the Supreme Creator, or you can be willy-nilly, but never ever do you have the option of not creating. You were wired to create. So be careful with the thoughts that you choose to let multiply. 
Subdue it by taking control and managing that brain. Don't allow your brain to manage you. You manage it. Notice that there's a part of you that can observe those thoughts and it can pick and choose which thoughts you desire to keep and which ones you desire to get away. And that part of you that can govern and make those decisions is the part of you that can have dominion over those thoughts. You are literally in control of the world that you choose to experience. The world that is happening inside your mind. So putting all of that together as your spiritual life coach, I'm giving you some homework. (laughs) I want you to fortify yourself. I know we've experienced a difficult year, but we have been not only adequately equipped to handle these things, but we've been prepared. We have been given the tools that we need in order to be able to come off conquerors. We just need to know how to use them. So the first tool that I want to encourage you to use today is spiritually create who you desire to be. Make a plan, just like he did. Make a plan. See her in the future when she's all done with all of this, when she's learned all of her lessons, and when she has utilized the atonement of Jesus Christ completely. What does she look like? What does she think? And what celestial actions is she effortlessly taking because of everything that she has learned, everything that she's put in order? And what is she creating? What good is multiplying because she obeyed and she used her power to choose and to create? And this shouldn't be too hard to visualize her. God has already told you who you are. God has never been confused of who his daughters are and what they are becoming. So I'm literally telling you to take some time to write about her and how amazing she is and how she has pure love already figured out. She knows what to do and she's at the point that she's already overcome everything. So she will have the best wisdom for you and the best remedies. And she knows and loves you fully and completely. She's your number one fan. And she completely believes and trusts that you've got this because she knows what's on the other end of things. So I want you to take time to spiritually create her, to plan it out, and then put it in action just like the Savior did. Work on physically creating her, step by step. Practice thinking what she would think. Practice speaking the words that she would speak. Feel the good feels that she will feel and that she doesn't fret over the carnal and human feelings that rise up. She knows how to subdue them. She knows how to govern them. She knows how to remove the bad as fast as the good can grow. And then she allows the good to be fruitful and to multiply. She already knows that those human emotions that can be harmful are not who she is. They are to be managed and watched. And just like God gave us the gift of time in seasons and days and years, this apprenticeship isn't to be a rushed effort. It's your gift of time. It's your time to figure things out. It's your time to make mistakes Sometimes there's going to be a lot of them. You're going to create a lot that you aren't pleased about or satisfied with, and there are no worries. You're just going to remove the bad through the atonement of Jesus Christ. 
You're going to rely on that important partnership that you have with him. And you're going to allow yourself to be replenished. That's his restorative work for you to allow him to do, to replenish you. And then you're going to turn around and you're going to watch yourself until the creation that you're working so hard to create obeys you. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. If you did, please go to iTunes and give this podcast a five-star rating, and I would love to read a review from you. If you need help in creating the spiritual you and need help learning how to create this for yourself, I would love to work with you. Go to sisterscriptorians.com and sign up for my coaching services today. Until next time.